Well, a few years back, my home city finally got one of their main projects off the ground. When the two upper levels of government finally, after over 30 years, said yes to funding this project. This project was due to an increase in traffic on one of the main throughways in our city. They wanted to provide a new park completing it. This new ring road was going to allow all the truck traffic that's now going between our mines in our main city to get these trucks off our road. But why was this? Well, this is because Falkerbridge put all these trucks onto a main throughway in our city, causing traffic jams and destroying our roads. Well, it took nearly 40 years, but the road is finally in, and our main throughway can breathe a sigh of relief. Unfortunately, that sigh is only going to increase due to the advent of the electric automobile industry with battery packs weighing more than a tank of gas evs are heavy a lot heavier than their gas counterparts which means they're going to add stress to our infrastructure but where is all this extra money going to come from considering the fact that evs don't pay for the roads that they drive on to begin with well that is something we're going to take a look at today on the autolooks podcast <laughs> Welcome back to the Autolux Podcast. I am your host, as always, the doctor to the automotive industry, Mr. Everett J, coming to you from our main host website at autolux.net. If you haven't been there, stop by, check it out, see some of our end-of-the-year ratings, read some of the articles we've done at exterior design reviews, and find some companies on our corporate links website, all on the autolux.net website. The Autolux Podcast has been brought to you by Podbean.com, getting you out to all of the major streaming services from around the globe, from Spotify to iTunes. Podbean.com gets the Autolux Podcast to you. The Autolux Podcast has been brought to you by Ecom Entertainment Group and hosted by the one and only doctor to the automotive industry, Mr. Everett J. So like I said in the beginning, EVs are going to be creating more stress on our infrastructure. And like I said at the very beginning portion, Maley Drive had a massive extension put in a few years ago. This was due to one of the mining companies in our city removing the rail service and putting more trucks on the road. Well, transports filled with slag, boiling hot slag, essentially magma, moving from one end of the city to the other across our city roads is going to create more stress on it. Well, the main throughway I'm talking about is LaSalle Boulevard. LaSalle Boulevard was originally added in to the main infrastructure corridors of the greater city of Sudbury back in the late 50s and early 60s. It didn't get expanded until the late 60s and into the early 70s because of the increase in population density in the new Sudbury area. This is the area that was booming due to the new mining craze created after the fall of World War II. All the new baby boomers were looking for jobs. Mines were going up. People were in high demand. Jobs were everywhere. And the city of Sudbury was one of the fastest growing cities in the province during the 50s and 60s. Unfortunately, that would fall by the wayside of the 1970s due to the fact that the mining industry took a massive hit due to the downfall of the global economy and the fact that the city of Sudbury was not included in the expansion of the original 400 series highways laid out in the 1950s being one of the fastest growing major cities in the province we were on the long wait list for highway expansions which was detrimental to the city of Sudbury during the fall of the mining craze in the 
that in the 1980s, these companies, after losing tons of people, were looking for new ways to save money. While tearing up their railroads and putting trucks on the road, subcontracting the delivery of their slag from the mill to the smelter and back was one way they could do it. Why should we be paying for this railroad service? We have to fill all of these cars and move them along our own dedicated infrastructure. Well, hell, the city could just pay for all the damages to the infrastructure. We'll just ship it via truck. We have to pay for trucks. Well, these transports were heavy. And in 1986, the city of Sudbury said, hey, we need to get these trucks off LaSalle Boulevard because New Sudbury is still one of the few areas of the city that's growing. And the infrastructure demand over the course of the next 20 years, so by 2006, is going to hit the 90% capacity. We are going to be at capacity on that throughway unless we can expand it or build another road. Well, in 1986, they had this amazing idea. Let's extend our ring road service. Let's make Maley Drive a limited access throughway all the way to the LaSalle Extension, connecting to the already existing LaSalle Extension, Highway 144 Extension, and Big Nickel Mine Road, creating the ring road across the northwestern side of the city. This was to get all these heavy trucks off of our main throughway, which has cement bases at either side, which means the constant pummeling from these oversized and heavy trucks was deteriorating our roads, which need refurbishment every five years due to cracks and wear and tear. Had to be reconstructed every 10 years, where the city's budget only allotted for reconstruction of main roads every 20 years. And this one had to be done every 10, due to the heavy weight of these transport trucks. Well, about seven years ago, the two upper levels of government finally said, hey, yes, we're willing to support you. We will give our 33.3% share in to this project to build it. You have 18 months to get this done. This is coming from the same two governments that say they can't build more than 10 kilometers every four to six years of four-lane limited access throughways to Sudbury because it's too expensive and it's hard to do. They give us 18 months to put six kilometers of a new road through swamp, rock, in between power lines, and over top of a main throughway. The city did it in 16 months and under budget, proving that the upper levels of government are literally just talking out of their ass when they talk about massive infrastructure that's required to come to the greater city of Sudbury to provide for tomorrow. But all this was done to get the weight limits decreased on LaSalle Boulevard. With a lot less truck traffic on it, that road can survive a longer duration. And with the limited access throughway now handling those trucks, that road has the ability to withstand that constant pummeling for longer durations. Well, a lot of roads in my hometown are cracked and always falling apart. And I always used to wonder, why is this? Well, for one, we get back 15% of our initial gas tax revenue that we give to the province. 15%. The city of Toronto gets 143% tax for their infrastructure. 143%. They get more than they put in because the rest of the province pays for their infrastructure. The city of Sudbury, a city of 168,000 people, which can include every major center in the Golden Horseshoe within the confines of its city jurisdiction, plus a few others. Gets back only 15% of our infrastructure tax. Well, when SUV craze started taking off in the 90s, due to the fact that our roads were already underfunded ever since the 70s when our city stopped growing because of the downfall of the mining economy and the fact that no other major manufacturing or industrialized businesses were moving further 
further north than Newmarket, Ontario. Nobody north was getting anything, and our tax base was being stripped from us. So our roads were getting worse. So people moved on to body-on-frame SUVs and full-size pickup trucks. Then in the late 90s, when Dodge created the fourth door pickup truck, which eventually led to the four full-size door pickup trucks, the minivan craze was about to get its ass kicked by full-size pickup trucks. Consider the fact that the average median income in the city of Sudbury today, in 2023, is $54,000 Canadian, far above the provincial average of $46,000 for a standard city. More people here can afford to drive gas-guzzling pickup trucks, even with the increase in fuel prices. So we can afford to drive these big, heavy trucks. The unfortunate thing is those big heavy trucks are adding more stress to our city's infrastructure. And when you add in the fact that we get back 15% of what we give in, and considering the fact that our city has a lot more trucks, we're getting back 15%. Now, if you base it off of a similar size city like Barrie, Ontario, for the amount of vehicles to people, for the amount of trucks we have over them, we're essentially getting back even less. We're talking closer to between six to 8% of what we pay in the initial gas tax. So less than 10% of the money we pay when we pump and fill up our vehicles comes back to us. How are we supposed to maintain a road system of over 6,000 kilometers of roadways with a population base of 168,000 people paying for that and all of the constant stress of these oversized, overweight pickup trucks and SUVs constantly pummeling our roads? On top of that, we're the largest center for mining supply industries in the country and the largest concentration of mines in the country for one major city. And when all the product that gets moved to mines and from mines gets put on those roads as well, they far exceed what the provincial average is for roadways. They're within the weight confines, but the amount that gets put on them is in a standard city size, an eight to one ratio, which means we have more weight hitting our roads in our city than anywhere else in the province. Now, what does that have to do with the electric vehicle craze? Weight. Electric vehicles have more weight, between a few hundred pounds to a few thousand pounds. The GMC EV Hummer weighs nearly double that of a standard Silverado, all due to the fact it is carrying around a 3,000 pound battery pack. 3,000 pounds. My Kia Rio in the garage hardly even weighs 3,000 pounds. And yet, this electric truck weighs that much. Just its battery pack. So with the rise of the electric vehicle industry, we now require even more money to maintain the infrastructure around us. With electric vehicles carrying all this added weight over and above what gasoline vehicles have, and considering the fact that, let's just say, in the province of Ontario, we're already underfunded for the internal combustion engine society that we live in now, how are our roads going to look in the future with even more weight driving over it all of the time? Electric vehicles, you may seem to think, are a great advent to the mobility craze of the world. Sure, it's good news. We're reducing our dependency on fossil fuels and being able to breathe an economy that we can all sustain from within our borders. That's great. That's great news for everybody. We could breathe a little bit more fresh air. But when we have to pave our roads 
three times quicker than we did before, are we really saving the environment? What goes into pavement? Tar is a big player, a toxic substance. Tar is part of the petroleum industry, and that is one of the reasons why the oil industry will never disappear. It is still a requirement to build roads. Now in the city of Sudbury, we've played around with the ideas of using previous slag, the byproduct of the mining industry, and adding that into both our pavement and the cement in and around our city. When added to cement, it can increase the durability of it fourfold. That's great news. Unfortunately, the cost is substantially increased, and we all know that in the end, accountants are the ones that sign off on everything, and accountants only see things in very short windows. If you're an accountant and you're listening to this, I'm sorry, but I'm about to tear apart your entire ideology of how you save money. I'll give you a hint. Well, my dad worked at one of the mines in the city of Sudbury. An accountant decided to get rid of a $12 scraper from their warehouse to save money. They patted themselves on the back because they saved $12. Well, that $12 scraper is only required about once or twice a year. But now that it's not on the shelf, when we require it, we need to call up our supplier and have it delivered because this is not a product that's on the shelf for you know months or years on end and we could wait three days when we need it no it's a product that when we need it we need it right away well now when we need to purchase that scraper we have to call up our supplier well now our guys underground are stuck sitting there waiting until that scraper arrives well the planner is calling the supplier to ensure they have it is getting the supplier to put it in a truck to fast track it to the mine. Once it gets to the mine, they now have to decommission one of the elevators to rush this thing down the shaft. So you're now putting people in the shaft out of work because it's an emergency. It has to get down because we have to fix this job. You now have to rush this thing out there, which means your standard delivery fee it can't be included with something else, which means now it costs even more money. It's a rush, which most suppliers will charge you 100% on it. You can't get a discount on it. So if it costs $10, you're paying that $10. You can't buy five of them and get each one of them for $6. You're paying that $10. You're paying premium rate. On top of that, your guys are sitting there for on average three and a half hours before they get their scraper. But like I said, the median income in their city is $54,000. Three hours wages for even a crew of two people is well over $1,000 of lost time. So $1,000 plus the $12 for the scraper plus the rush to bring it out there that scraper has now cost the company between $1,100 to $1,200. But the accountant patted themselves on the back because they saved $12. You increased the cost of it a thousandfold, but you patted yourself on the back because you saved $12. Where am I going with this? Well, with the reconstruction of our roads due to the EV craze, we are now going to look at it as if there is a better product out there that can sustain that constant pummeling for a longer duration, but costs twice as much, the accountant is only going to sign off on the cheap stuff. They're not going to sign off on the stuff that could survive a lot longer, as I've proven to you with the scraper. And as the city of Sudbury has done an assessment once on road paint, paint that can last four times longer than the standard stuff they buy, but costs twice as much. Well, it's too expensive. 
expensive. It's out of the budget. Meanwhile, it would save them in the long run. See what I'm getting at? Sorry, accountants. You need to look past the short term, what you're overspending, and see the long term gains. So tomorrow when you go into work, think about that. It costs twice as much, but it lasts four times as long, which means when it, we usually replace it every year, we now could stretch it out over four years. So it costs twice as much, which means it costs 50% less each year. Wow, amazing. I saved money. And you actually did save money. So these EV vehicles are destroying our roads. Their extra weight is pummeling the pavement underneath of them and is doing it for a lot longer durations. And this isn't just the, the GMC Hummer EV. Tesla now has trans transports well as it's already been proven these transports won't be able to tow as much product as their ICE counterparts because the battery pack to go the same distance as a diesel operated vehicle is going to weigh even more thus decreasing the amount a transport can pull because transports are regulated on the amount that they are allowed per vehicle on the road. And since we don't have classifications for vehicles on that yet, what's gonna happen? We created weight restrictions for transport trucks to ensure that our roads are not exceeding their capacities. But when electric vehicles are exceeding these capacities, something that's already been realized by the ferry industry. Yes, ferries. With electric vehicles, some of them won't allow them on them because of the added insurance that they require in case of a fire. A fire from an electric vehicle can cause four times more damage than one from an internal combustion engine vehicle. So this is the added insurance. Plus they weigh. An average electric vehicle weighs 45 to 75% more than its ICE counterpart. Well, that's added weight. Boats can only carry a certain amount of weight, which means now those vehicles have to go into their own specific classifications. And now you're going to have to get people to tell you exactly what battery packs they have and what vehicles they have so they can determine the amount of weight ratios going into these ferries. This is going to be the same for trains, planes, and automobiles. And yes, that's an ode to a great Canadian, John Candy, and his good friend, Steve Martin from Planes, Trains, and Automobiles. Good movie. If you haven't seen it, trust me, take a watch. It is a cult classic, an amazing movie from the 80s. So all this added weight is going to make it so we can't ship as much, ship it as far, and it's going to create more damage to our infrastructure. Where I talked about in a previous podcast, the Ontario government has a very narrow mind when it comes to expanding our infrastructure. Part of the reason why we need that expanse of our infrastructure is not just due to the amount of traffic that travels on it, but it's to gain life out of that throughway. A roadway without sidewalks on it can last longer than a roadway with them. Why? Because it's constantly pushing against a cement wall. It has nowhere to breathe. Or a highway, limited access highway without curbs on the side of it, can breathe, it can expand and contract a lot better. Anybody ever taken physics? Expansion and contraction play a pivotal role in infrastructure development. And without that expansion and contraction and more weight being added to it, they're expanding and contracting at a greater rate than they once were. So electric vehicles are causing even more damage to the infrastructure they require to move around on. Governments are starting to pick up on this even before this craze started. Why do you think today there's more investments into public transit than any other time in the past 60 years? We're going back to the 50s and 60s. It was all about creating highways. 
highways. Today, it's all about creating public transit. We still need highways to move our products from place to place, but these governments know they need to get more people on public transit so they can get more cars off the road. It's not just to get people out of their cars and to save the environment. It's because more people on a train are less costly to operate that infrastructure than cars on roads. One person in a singular car is more damaging to pavement or asphalt surface than one person on a train. One person on a train is between 150 and 300 pounds. One person on the highway is between 3,000 and 12,000 pounds. More weight, more damage. Sure, EVs and its investment into autonomous technology is going to allow more of us to travel within the confines of other people's vehicles or autonomous travel vehicles. As we've already talked about future infrastructure requirements, we do need more autonomous travel vehicles in the world and the development of more lanes to do this is going to take away from our standard roadways and getting more people biking and walking and living more in a centralized location will help with this adding to that more infrastructure for public transit will get more people to take it my sister-in-law has the ability to take a train to work Unfortunately, she still drives. She sits in traffic for an hour. That's her fault. I had cousins who worked in downtown Toronto and commuted in from Brampton on a GO train. She did it because that train ride was 45 minutes. Where if she drove, she would be stuck in traffic for two hours. Four hours of her day would be lost driving as opposed to the hour and a half on a train. She didn't do it to save money. She did it to save time. And considering the fact that she made six figures, six figures, nearly $200,000 a year, she could afford to drive a vehicle. But she chose not to. She took public transit to save time on her day. With more people starting to realize they can do that, the expansion of that infrastructure will greatly exceed what we require for new roadways. This will help alleviate due to the issue of electric vehicles on our highway systems. But all in all, in the end, EV's biggest problem and the reason why more countries are investing into public transit than anything else is because they still have not figured out how to make money to repay for the infrastructure that's depleted from the electric vehicle industry. The internal combustion engine, they added a tax to gasoline and diesel. We pay the gas tax to pay for the roadways that we drive upon. There are people out there that seem to think that we pay taxes and that's how it all gets paid. But gas tax is a bigger part of the infrastructure for roadways than any other form of tax we have. But now with electric vehicles not utilizing and not adding to the pot, where is that money going to come from? Well, soon to be released taxes on charging ports in both houses that include charging ports and dedicated charging ports outside of it will be included before too long. The days of the free ride for the electric vehicle industry are nearly numbered. By 2035, nearly every industrialized nation around the world has plans that will take effect to gain money required to redevelop and reconstruct infrastructure destroyed by the heavy electronic vehicle industries. So in the end, are you saving money by getting an EV you are not because in the end when that gas tax finally gets put out or if the alternative comes out where governments now want to use the transponder links for the Wi-Fi enabled electronic vehicles to do software updates to track your vehicle yeah, they can track your movement right now with cell phones, but then they want to make it, especially in North America, both Canada and the U.S. are already looking into this, that all new electronic vehicles by 2030 will have to start paying monthly taxes 
for destruction of the infrastructure they use. Which means instead of paying your tax when you fill up your vehicle, at the end of every month you will get a bill in the mail that you have to pay to the government. Are you looking forward to that extra bill just because you bought an EV? I'm not. I would rather pay it at the pump because there it is out of sight, out of mind. The only thing is by doing it at the pump, every major infrastructure component has to be included. Which means now we need to start regulating the pump services. And that all comes into play in infrastructure development for the EV cycle. Sure, it's adding an extra fee to it. We can do, but we need to get everybody on board and everybody charging the same amounts. And added to that, all of it is required to pay for the infrastructure that is being destroyed underneath of our tires. The EV industry may seem great for the world as a whole, but until batteries become lighter and the vehicles start losing weight and becoming more in line with the internal combustion engine vehicles we have today, or even lighter than that, EVs will be more destructive to the infrastructure they utilize than any form of transportation around. That mainly drive expansion is great to get those transports off, but it's also great because it allows for a secondary alternative to utilizing LaSalle Boulevard for electric vehicle industries. If Tesla was smart, they would put their second charging station in our city closer to Cambrian College and the Maley Drive extension, putting more of those EVs on a road that can withstand the extra surface weight of an EV. EVs may seem like a good idea, but there's a lot of extra added costs to them. And infrastructure is one of the biggest ones that nobody takes into consideration. But eventually, we're all going to start to wonder why our roads are getting worse. Well, when a few people aren't paying into the system, it hurts. When a few thousand people are not paying into the system, it gouges you. And then when everybody's not paying into the system, you're, you're just bleeding. You're left on the curb to die. And unfortunately, governments need to get their asses into gear to get these new forms of taxation out to the EV industry to make them pay for the infrastructure that they utilize. We've had 15 good years of not paying for the infrastructure we use. And now with more people getting into this industry, it's time that we all start paying our fair share. Whether it's an end of the month bill coming to people, which will really showcase to people what their car costs them per month, per kilometer to operate. Or if it's just at the charging port when you plug it in. Some way, we need to start making people pay for the infrastructure they use. It's coming. And don't think you can keep running away from it. Because even doing it at your own home, eventually, it's just going to get added on to all electrical bills across the country. Electricity may seem like it's endless, but unless you're Nikola Tesla and you develop an actual way to harness energy from thin air, then I'm sorry, it's not free. You have to pay for its infrastructure and you have to pay for the infrastructure that your vehicle operates on. The taxes are coming and there's no way you're going to be able to hide from them. If my gasoline operated vehicle can't hide from the gas tax, then your electrically powered vehicle won't be able to hide much longer. But until we get there, our infrastructure is going to take even more of a beating before it finally gets fixed. Maley Drive may be done, under budget, and ahead of time, but 400 to Subri still isn't, and 69 is getting worse and worse for both traffic and surface conditions, both because of traffic and the added weight of more vehicles and heavier vehicles on it. Expansion needs to come, but unfortunately, an aging demographic who runs the infrastructure development in this country doesn't understand the vision of the future. 
And that vision is we need new ways to make money to pay for the systems in place. And this time we need more money. So if your gas tax right now is 10 cents per liter, when you work it out in an electric wise per liter basis, your gas tax for an electric vehicle, if it's 12 cents for ICE, needs to be nearly 42 cents per kilometer traveled of electric rate because you need to pay double plus some because we need to make up what we lost before we added it in. So in the end, are EVs amazing for our world? Yeah, yeah, they have their good points. Are they good for the infrastructure around them? No. Infrastructure is about to take its biggest hit of all time. With the loss in income and a nearly double increase in destruction, how are we ever going to close the gap of our infrastructure deficit? No matter where you live, whether a third world nation or first world nation, that deficit is only going to grow unless we find more money to improve it and maintain it. And EVs are the biggest cause of destruction to our roads right now. And with electric transports on their way, even more destruction is about to arrive. So if you like this podcast, please like, share, or comment. Talk to your government officials. Talk to your friends and family about the fact that your electric vehicle, that uncle or cousin or aunt that has that Tesla who's driving around thinks it's amazing for the, for the world around them, you tell them that their vehicle adds twice the amount of stress on the roadway that it travels on and pays for zero amount of repairs. You tell them that they're getting away with murder of the roads. And then pass this podcast along to them and let them listen to it and learn a few things about the destruction of the infrastructure due to the electric vehicle craze. Trucks and SUVs started it, but EVs are driving the final nail into this coffin. And after that, stop by the autolux.net website, take a look at some of our ratings, read some of our reviews, and check out the Corporate Links website, all on the autolux.net website. The Autolux podcast has been brought to you by podbeam.com and distributed by Ecom Entertainment Group. The Autolux Podcast is hosted by the one and only doctor to the automotive industry, Mr. Everett J. And if you'd like to get in contact with both Everett J. or the Autolux Podcast, please email him at email at autolux.net and we'll get back to you in a timely fashion. So for myself, Everett J., my internal combustion engine powered mobility units out in my driveway, strap yourself in for this one bumpy ride that the overweight EV industry is going to take us on.